Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have an absolute rock star on the show. Sarah K. Ramsey will be joining us. We're going to talk about her life. We're going to talk about her new book. We're going to talk about a lot of things. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And we are back. Let me bring Sarah on. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hello, Ken. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here. So, um, you know, I started this show. I keep forgetting to check the exact date, but it was April something um, three years ago. So almost exactly three years ago, I started this. And it, it literally was to help people get unstuck in life. And, and, you know, I think that we all, we all go through those periods where we get stuck. We don't know which way to turn. We don't know which way is up. And um, I think that by hearing other people's stories of how they went through this or that, and, and, you know, I think that it's very healing and it helps other people. So that's what this show is all about. I love it. And I love breakthrough walls and I have lots of lies. I believe people think about this topic that I'm excited <laughs> to break through. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I like to always start and by the way, there'll be times where I just put the camera on you, you get full stage. I'm still here, but um, so let's, let's start with you telling everybody where you were born and raised. I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. So if you see me bust a move or, you know, bust into song, that's why I've got the, I got the Bill Street blues going through my blood. (laughs) That's, uh, that's Elvis country, isn't it? Elvis country, right? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Pam loves your rings. Yes. Ah. I love the man who gave them to me. So. (laughs) That's good. That's good. So, so you were born in Memphis. Is that where you were raised? No, I was raised on the other side of the state okay. uh, in Knoxville, which is actually the fastest growing city in the U.S. right now. I love Knoxville. I've been Do through you? Knoxville. I've been through Knoxville. Some one of my main distributors long time ago was in Knoxville. I used to go down there all the time. So, so, um, is, and that's where you went to school your entire life. And yes, I was really fortunate to be a, well, I was fortunate and unfortunate to be a pastor's child. And so, uh, (laughs) he grew up very poor. His dad died and his mother was left without a high school diploma Mm. raising three kids and he got his doctorate. And so he was really great to take me all over the world. So even though when I met my husband, it was funny because he's very well traveled too. So he picks up this girl from Knoxville, Tennessee, and we're just chatting and he's like, so where's your favorite place to visit? And I think he thought I was going to say, Panama City Beach or something. And I was like, gosh, it's really, it's tough. Is it Brazil or Israel? I can't decide. And he's like, whoa, who's this girl? 
<laughs> wow. And so we connected very immediately through that. So I, it's, it's funny. Knoxville, hi from the Philippines, Nancy. Um, it's interesting. You know, Knoxville's always been my home base, but I'm quite fortunate that it's not the only eyes I look through. I'll say it that way. Yeah. So, so, um, while I always hop on when there's PKs, go figure. So, um, so you've tried, you trap as your father was a, a minister. Yes. And so he traveled the world. Yeah. We would do mission trips. So he has a whole ministry to missionaries to keep them um, in intrigued and started a service for that. So him and my mom go to a different continent each year and do a huge program for all the missionaries in that area. So it's a really wow. a cool way to grow up. That, that piece was really cool. Wow. So, um, so was there, did you, was there like a s school that you went to all the time or was it all over the world? No, 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 no. I was a, I was a piano major. My undergrad was in piano. So I had to have lots of time to be home in front of the keys, practicing Beethoven and Bach, which I actually talk about in my book. Um, oh my it's something I call smart girl syndrome and there's never a problem. I met that I hadn't been able to solve. And so I thought I could solve the problem of toxic people too. And it was a bad idea. Yeah, no. Bad idea. Uh, but you, as a kid, you know, I, I went from Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to a Beethoven Sonata. And so I thought, okay, I just need to work harder. I need to work harder at these relationships. I need to work harder at getting a communication, getting them to understand what I'm trying to say. Um, and it was a lot of work without a lot of success. Wow. Now, wait, wait, okay. So there's like, we're not talking at seven years old. You're trying to fix toxic people. <laughs> okay. Well, let me tell you a story. It's in my book, but I was sitting there with my grandmother and my son Okay. Uh -huh. And my son said, this kid keeps bullying me at school. This kid keeps bullying me. And my grandmother said, well, if he's bullying people, he's probably lonely. So you should be nicer to him so that he stops bullying. So this is the framework I grew up in. So my, my 10 year old daughter, um, Two, two years ago or a year ago was going through some bullying and she told told me about this boy that was bullying her and I said don't take that crap off of him knock him out <laughs> and so she had a she had had she had had a little fracture in her foot she was on crutches and this kid was and she whacked him in the shin with her crutch <laughs> Well, that's one way to handle it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, high five, baby girl. You that's go. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but there's another story. I have a friend and she, her daughter was at a private school and there was a boy who was starting trouble in the class. And my, the teacher put her daughter beside this boy because she said, well, you know, he kicks people and stuff, but you don't really let it bother you. So she was getting kicked under the desk at school. What? Yes. Yeah, this is a private school too. This was not a, you know, a bad situation by any means. And 
you know, we, but we start to learn, oh, I'm really good at putting up with difficult behavior. Yeah. Wow. And that is what I have been doing since I was seven. So, so, okay. So you went to, this is all in Knoxville. You're going to school in Knoxville. You went to elementary, middle school, high school. Uh Um, Then you get out, you go to college Uh uh and you major in what? Piano performance. You majored in piano. I majored in piano performance. Yes. It was a, all these people had their kids in sports teams, hoping to get a full scholarship. Yeah. Put them in music. You know, I (laughs) had a very expensive degree that I did not pay no student debt. All the, all the debt was in the, in the practicing of the piano. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So, um, and then, so how does, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to piece this together. So how does, traveling the world and going to school work well we would travel in the summers or travel on break. oh gotcha yeah. Got, okay yes. okay yes. <clears throat> wow yeah. yeah wow so you you, you majored in piano uh-huh. you come out of college what what's the f- first job you get if you have a well i was a music teacher Oh, okay. I was a music teacher for a while. I planned on getting my MBA. And when I told the people in my life I was going in education, they were horrified. Like they were (laughs) like, Sarah, like, what? Like you were going to be a business major. You're practicing piano all the time. Like, what do you mean? Like you didn't even play school as a kid. And, you know, at different times in my life, I kind of thought, why did I do that? Yeah. But learning how to be a good teacher And learning how to break through in a way that people learn has been such a huge piece of what I do now. And people are like, gosh, you just explain things so well. And it's like, yeah, if you're having to figure out how would I get through to a 14-year-old boy who doesn't care what I have to say and he's bored of school. And if you figure out a way to communicate with him, then figuring out a way to communicate with a 45-year-old is pretty dang easy. Because most 45 year olds are still that 14 year old boy that that nobody ever listened to. Sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. it can be. And, and learning ways of getting things to stick. I try to make my language very sticky. So it's like, uh, for example, um, probably you all remember that story about my grandmother, you know, and it's like, what is a toxic relationship? How do people get into the toxic relationships? Yeah. Okay, if someone acts badly, I need to change my behavior so they act better. Okay? Yep. That's a really different conversation than getting into words like abuse or psychopath or sociopath or some of these other languages that are true. I'm not debunking them by any means. But those are huge categories. And it's like, oh, I don't see myself like having been taken advantage of by a sociopath. So, but when I bring it back to, Hey, have you ever changed your behavior in hopes of making someone else behave better? People are like, Whoa, now, Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot of people, but that's where it starts. I think that, you know, cause I'm, I'm a, um, I, I'm a recovered alcoholic by the grace of God. I've got 18 and a half years sober, but I'm also, a recovered codependent. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so I, you know, oh my gosh. And I went to, I went to Al-Anon for a while mm-hmm. where wine is a verb. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. That's t- But it's, 
it, it, it's probably not that far off. It's true. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of, you know, I, and I'm not picking on anyone in Al-Anon, I swear. Um, but I, I've, you know, I, I've had an interesting life starting with a crazy childhood. And, and I thought, you know, I get to choose whether I want to be a victim or not for the rest of my life. And it's a moment by moment choice sometimes where you have to like own your own stuff. Right. And so I think that what you're doing is absolutely phenomenal, but I still have a tendency of attracting people into my life that, that have narcissistic traits or tendencies. Um, and, and, you know, I see, I see that and, and it, it, it makes me crazy sometimes, but how do you, first off, how did you ever even like recognize, like, I, I have a problem with, with toxic people. Like how did, where did that, how did that come about? And how old were you when you realized that you were trying to fix people? <laughs> Cause it's always a joke and people are like, Oh, did you have a toxic relationship? And I'm like, Oh, that's so nice of you to think I just had one. Um, you know, <laughs> that's just really kind of you. Um, but I was with several friends in Charlotte, North Carolina for a girls weekend. And you're talking about being sober. I was a, a Baptist preacher's kid. I was completely sober, right? There was yeah. no, and I was with a bunch of other yeah. pastor kids, you know, in that life. And so we were very sober I blacked out while driving and the stress on my body had just become so much. So no drinking, no drugs, no even prescription meds. And I just black out, like let go of the wheel with what? all of those people in the car. Um, wow. And so really started my own journey of like, wow, I've really got to make some changes, hoping I can work harder and work harder in a way to make relationships work or people change is a horrible plan, you know, mm. and it wasn't working. I had years of data to say, Hey, I'm doing all the work of my relationships. Yeah. And so that's, that was kind of the catalyst for, wow, I really need to start making some changes. At that point I was still working for, with teenagers and I, there was at a local high school, there was a teen who was killed in her bed mm. by her boyfriend. So I started to take all the work that I had been doing and all my experience in my own healing journey. And by that point, I'd hired some amazing coaches, um, several Tony Robbins Platinum Mindset coaches and stuff. I'd, I'd done a really good job of my own inner work and created a platform and a program to help teens called Mental Health Mondays. And it was basically all those things, relationship building skills and all those kind of things that you think people... I wish I learned that when I was 16. I wish I learned that when I was 17. Yeah. Um, that's what it was. Uh, lots of social skills, anger management type of things. So that's how I started. Then that is received national attention and did really well. And then I started a positive behavior initiative for schools because it, I wanted to empower people who were vulnerable. And then I wanted to also empower in a different way the perpetrators. So when kids would get in trouble and be sent away to the in trouble room in school suspension or whatever, they yeah. call it different things. Um, but they had some skills and they had some training like anger management, understanding your emotions, how not to throw your emotions. So really trying to hit it from both sides. And then what I also quickly realized within that landscape is that 
what kids really needed were better examples as adults. And it's one thing to tell teen. It's very popular. People say, oh, Sarah, what can I tell my teenager about this? Oh, I want to talk to my teenagers. Like, well, are you leading them by example? Are you willing to take your own advice? Because it's kind of like that joke. It's like we don't let our kids have candy. But then when they go to sleep, like we bust open the bag of Oreos. Yeah. And the next morning, they see the bag of Oreos and see the extra 10 pounds we gained. And they're like, mom, dad, come yeah. on. Like, don't tell me one thing and then you do another. Right, and right. That's kind of where this journey led. And now people say I give children back their mothers, which is one of my main goals. And really teaching people to take their own dang advice. Live in integrity. <laughs> take your own advice. Don't tell people to do things you aren't doing. And don't tell your kids to have healthy relationships and then self-sabotage your own life. Yep. I love it. Wow. So, so do you know, like, was there a certain, so was there a certain age where there was a, like a, a pivotal moment for you where you realized, I mean, when, how old were you when you blacked out that, that whole. Yeah, that was right around 30. And that was from stress, not alcohol. No. Absolutely. Yes. My hair was falling out. I couldn't what? digest my food. I kept like losing weight, then gaining it, then losing weight. My skin looked horrible. I mean, it was just awful. And really starting to listen to the people in my life who were saying, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about you. I'm worried about you. Wow. But it, now here's what's interesting, Ken. And you may know this from toxic people. Okay. So sometimes toxic people want to be the only toxic people in your life. Yeah. Right. They want to, they want yeah. to own you. Yeah. So then they will point out other toxic people. And that was what was so fascinating. I'd have one toxic person point out another toxic person, and then they would point out this toxic person and they would point out this talk. So, I, but then it was so confusing to work through. Cause it's like, everybody's talking to me like crap. Yeah. Wow. And, and so it's very multifaceted toxicity, which is kind of what you're talking about. You know, you talked about attracting those different people. Yeah. Have you ever taken the big five personality test? Mm -mm. Ooh. Ooh. Do you love personality tests? I, I, I'm, I like them. I, know, I, heart I don't them. know that I love I them. But, oh, yeah. I heart them. It's, a, it's, a, it's in my book. There's a chapter about my love for personality tests. But okay. Because... There was this one personality test that I took and it said, you are the most likely personality to get killed first by the serial killer. Oh my God. Yeah. Really? That's, that's how it made it to my book. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And here's what I they said. You slept well that night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's what they said. They said you would be in the shower singing show tunes and would never notice a serial killer like coming in and killing you. But oh think I was a music major, right? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be fine. It's going to be great. Um, oh, my God. And I just had this real belief in humans and the good in humans. And I still have a great, strong belief in humans. Yeah. But I also balance that with not every human is good for me to be around. Amen. Right. Doesn't True. mean they're not good people or their sense of worth. I'm not God. I don't get to decide 
if you're a worthy person or unworthy, not getting into that conversation. Right. Are you worthy of my time, energy, resources, love, affection, forgiveness, loyalty? Yeah. Or is it best to kind of shut that door sometimes? How do you determine that? How do you decide? So the most simple way I can explain it is find relationships where both parties play by the same set of rules. Okay. Yep. And in a toxic relationship, it's usually quite apparent that someone is getting the better end of the deal. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're teaching your kids, if you're trying to talk to someone or break through to someone, you know, we all have to, Oh, well, how do I get through to my sister that I think her friendship is toxic or her husband is toxic or whoever is toxic. Yeah. And then you start, then you start trying to talk in words of like narcissism or abuse. And they're like, what? I'm not being abused. I'm not, he's not, you know, she's not a narcissist or whatever it is. But when you very much simplify the language and say, Hey, in kindergarten, we were supposed to learn how to take turns. And it seems as if they have not, now they're 50 and they haven't learned how to take turns. Right. And it's always their turn. That will break through to people. And they may have to plant a seed. It's not that they're going to say, oh, you're right. I'm going to change everything in my life today. But it really plants a seed that says, that allows them to start, the blinders come off and then start seeing in a different way. Yeah. Wow. So, <clears throat> I believe that we attract, we, how do I say that? We attract what we are. Like we attract the, the energy we're putting out is, is literally what we bring into our lives. Like, you mm-hmm. know, um, and so whenever there's somebody that's been in my life in the past that, that was toxic, mm-hmm. um, of course, you know, you spend, you spend, depending on how healthy you are spiritually and emotionally, you spend time trying to, you know, it's, look, look I, I've had some people in my life that were toxic, that were s- professionals <laughs> at being like really good. Like you don't even realize it until it's like too late. And it's like, Oh my God. And, and so is there, is there something that you recommend to people to, kind of keep those people away. Yeah. First of all, I would like to say their huge point in my book is one, there are toxic people Two, you know them. If you accept that fact. Yeah. And stop trying to say just like what you did. It's like, Oh wow. They were really good. Toxic people are good at manipulating. Yeah. Every toxic person had to wear devil horns. We wouldn't be told by Bill Cosby. We wouldn't have been fooled by uh, Matt off, you know, I and mean, there's all kinds of people, history, Hitler, people yeah. were backing Hitler at one point. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And when we start to recognize all these people who have fooled all of us, right. Um, then we start to say, okay, maybe toxic people are good at their game, not, maybe I'm stupid or maybe I'm broken or maybe I'm codependent or maybe I, you, do you see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. when we say there's something wrong with me that I keep attracting toxic people rather than there are toxic people in the world and I should look out for them. 
those are two different conversations. Sure. Sure. Right. And the, the reason I brought up the personality test thing is because Purdue did a study and within the big five personality tests, you have conscientiousness, agreeableness, openness, um, neuroticism. And what's the other one? Oh, extroversion or introversion. Okay. And they started finding that how many people of, and I'll say they use the word victim. So I'll say victims here, even though I don't typically like that word. Um, when they started studying how many victims of toxic relationships scored really high in agreeableness and openness. Mm. Okay. And if you're nice and you're agreeable and you're loving, you want to be a good person. You want to believe the best in people. You want to believe hurt people hurt people. So they just need a little extra love. Like my grandmother told me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Then you open that door and you, they, they come in. Yeah. And wow. absolutely toxic can attract toxic. Absolutely needy can attract toxic. Absolutely. But I really want to change the conversation and say kindness and agreeableness and openness can attract toxic. And those are good qualities. I still want you to be kind, open and agreeable. Sure. But I want you to be sweet and savvy. Yeah. And set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. I, I, well, I agree on boundaries that I'll talk to you about here in a second, but yes, go ahead with what you're saying. I, I agree with what Robert Brooker's saying. Toxic mm-hmm. people can be unaware that they are toxic. I agree with that. Do you? Some, yes. Um, there are, you know, I've obviously been really fortunate enough to talk to the world's leading experts. I have a podcast, Toxic Person Proof, and pretty much nearly every author, expert, so if you ever, you know, Google people on this subject, I've been really fortunate enough to talk to them. And so it depends on what you're saying in regards to toxic. There are some people who have pathological personality. This is their personality. Yeah. I'm an extrovert. Ken, I believe you're an expert. I think we talked about that on our first yeah. call. Yeah. We're always extroverted. That's just who we are. Right. Right. And some people are really selfish and that's who they are. Yeah. And we'll manipulate and blame and turn everything. And, and it feels icky to say like, well, some people are more like, we know, we know some people are more selfish than others. But we don't like to think about it as being more of a structured piece of their personality. Like that's who they are. Right. But the experts in the field who are studying people who are pathological, they would say that is their personality. Like you trying to change them. That is who they are. Um, And then there are people who are really hurt you know, that, that are just spewing out their hurt. I've been that at different points in my life. You probably have too. different mm-hmm. people who um, are needy or victim for a circumstance and, and they may not know what they're doing. So it's really the persistence of the pattern. Yep. And that's really what to look for. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Pam, yeah. Pam said she was once told straight to her face. She's an easy target. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, that, um, I mean, learning how to have healthy relationships and communicate effectively with, with other human beings is, is, I mean, it's, it's, it's called, that's life. I mean, that's like the fundamentals of, that's the essence of life is, 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 
is, you know, cohabitating with other, other humans. And so, so you were about 30 years old and mm -hmm. you realized that, um, the stress I, I, had you, you hadn't, had you really defined it yet at that, that time though? I felt like I was losing my mind. I mean, yeah. when you have people in your life who are teaching you not to trust your own thoughts, which is the yeah. essence of gaslighting. Yeah. And they are saying, I need to be the voice in your life. Don't trust yourself. Trust me. Yeah. And in my life at that point, um, I've definitely got a very complicated uh, relationship with religion at this point after, after my past experience as a preacher's kid and that, not because of my dad, because of these other people, yeah. and, but they became the voice of God in my life. Well, mm. God is telling you to do this. God is saying you should do this. And so it was even more confusing, you know, cause um, I was a good little girl, you know, and wanted yeah. to do the right yeah. thing. And when everyone kept telling me the right thing was doing right by them and the right thing was allowing them to be dysfunctional and the right thing was supporting their addictions and the right thing was supporting their anger and the right thing was hiding their bad behavior and making everyone seem like they were a good person. Yeah. It was a mess. I, I felt like I was losing my mind. I mean, it was really horrible. Um, I got my master's uh, in library science research, which meant I had access and knew how to find the best resources on every topic that could ever exist. So I started this like obsessive like research of like, okay, this person's saying this, and this person's saying this about personalities, and this person's saying this. Um, it's so cool now on my Toxic Person Proof podcast, because it's like, I read your book five years ago and here we are chatting, you know, <laughs> your publicist is trying to get you on my podcast, you know, it's yeah. so cool. Like it's so cool the way it's evolved. Um, but it wasn't cool for a long time. Like yeah. no little girl grows up thinking this is what she wants to do for a living. Like I assure you yeah. it's a nightmare. It's everyone's hardest things, their hardest topics, their hardest stories. And my job is to teach them to become their own best problem solvers get out of that spinning in your head and get you back into your life. So were these, these, these toxic people that were in your life, mm -hmm. it sounds like they were surrounding you. Yes. Um, it's like being eaten by vultures. It, it, I, I don't mean to make light of it. It felt um, like I was losing my soul. I mean, it felt like I was being eaten alive every day. It was, so horrible and really trying to, I just had this very conscientious sense of, which showed up in that Purdue survey, trying to do the right thing, trying to give people second chances, trying to be loving, trying to be forgiving, um, uh, trying to not be selfish in my own. It's like, well, you know, I can put them, put their needs before mine over and over and over and over. And it nearly killed me. It was horrific in every way. Were these like, like love interests? Everybody, they, Ken, I had everybody. Really? Yes. Girlfriends, family? Yes, I had everybody. I mean, wow. it was crazy. Like, you know, even like my high school boyfriend leaving me for my best friend. And then this other guy, and he said I was the only person he told he loved. And he's like kissing on some other girl. You know, I mean, it was just such this consistent pattern, uh, as well as friends that I had to cut off who just said, um, I am 
likable, I'm easy to get along with, and I'm really caring. So I was the perfect target. Toxic people wanted me. Wow. I would keep showing up for them. I was like a little, um, those little blow up dolls. Like you, you kick them down. They just like, it's a really bad <laughs> couple of decades um you know just no problem uh but wow. so now it's funny because sometimes I, I really have a very firm belief of when people tell me who they are through their actions i believe who they are I don't psychoanalyze and think, oh, that's not really who they are. That's just that hidden boy inside. No. If someone has a pattern of whatever it is, I accept that at face value now. And I say, I, I see you telling me who you are. And so now it's funny because, you know, if somebody is still really stuck in that good, kind, loving, giving, even though I'm still those things. But, you know, when they, they are stuck in that piece, I come across almost as harsh. Right. Like, oh, but I mean they're still young. They are still young and they have lots of opportunities to show me that they can be different. Yeah. I don't move in until there's a change of behavior. Wow. Yeah. That I posted on Facebook, I think last week, a a thing or maybe two, a couple weeks ago, but um, who is it? Maya and yes. Yeah. People tell you who they are. Believe them. Believe them. Yes. You know, and, and, Cause I've got a pattern of that throughout my life and, and I've, you know, um, Grant Cardone is a, a friend of mine and, and I had, um, some, a very toxic person in my business and, um, it was causing a lot of other people to become toxic for my company. And, and I was talking to him about it and, and then this, this, um, you know, sometimes the trash takes itself out. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this this individual was removed from my my company, and in the moment, I was like, "Oh God, what am I going to do? Like everything's going to fall apart now." I literally felt like that. I can remember that, right? And 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 he calls me and says, "Hey, congrats on so and so quitting." And and I go, "What do you mean, congrats, dude? Like you." crap's hitting the fan now <laughs> it's like no 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 now you'll have the you'll be able to expand you have the you don't have the that toxic crap holding you down and mm-hmm. and you know i think that people don't realize and i've man i have preached about this on live streams like you got to get the bad people out of your life it doesn't matter who it is family especially family like if they're toxic, they're toxic and they're going to hold you down in life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I want to get the topic of toxic relationships. Think about cancer. Okay. If we were only talking about cancer in stage four, everybody would say that's a bad idea. Right. Yeah. You're only talking about cancer stage four. You know, we have other stages. We have precancer cells. We have cancer prevention, cancer awareness. All yeah. these things are part of our efforts to cure cancer. Yeah. And yet toxic relationships, typically when you say, oh, have you been in a toxic relationship? You think you've been with a guy who's hit you. And that's like the category. Right. And people think, OK, that's and that's obviously stage four. That's horrible. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that stage two cancer's great for you. 
It doesn't mean right. that when you see precancer cells, there, there isn't something that needs to be done. Right, right. And we play this game of at least. Well, at least they don't cheat on me. At least they don't hit me. At least my mother still sends me Christmas presents. At least my friend, uh, you know, saves a seat for me at lunch. You know, whatever it is at whatever stage of life we're in. Yeah, they're mean to me. Yeah. But at least they fill in the blank. And we wow. play that game of at least in our head. And we we only want to use the stage four example because then if we're in stage three, we don't have to do anything about it. And you're really lucky in many ways that the trash took itself out because it's much harder when you have to, and I'm sure there's been relationships in your life this way too, but you've had to say, I'm taking out the trash myself. Like, yep. no, up with this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore because if I let this keep going on, um, yes. Yeah. And, and Pam, that's really my message on trying to get people to wake up sooner and seeing the, the tricks we play on ourselves to avoid making a decision, the tricks we play on ourselves to say, it's really not that bad. I mean, <laughs> here's my wake up call. I nearly killed my friends. I nearly wrecked my car. I blacked out while driving. Who does that? It's completely sober at two in the afternoon. Wow. There were three mothers in the car who would have been let, I mean, in the middle of a Charlotte interstate. Right. And so it, it it's like, wow. come on, people don't, don't wait till the stage four. But what my passion is, what my study is, there's a lot of people studying codependency, you know, that sort of thing. There's nothing wrong with that. I am studying the early stages. I'm studying the things we tell in ourselves, the, the at least games, the, well, that flag's not really red. Well, but it's my mother, so I have to put up with her berating me. You know, these different things in our lives that are killing us and killing yeah. our society. There's a small percentage of the, of the population making a lot of noise. Have and, you ever read the book, The Success Principles by Jack Canfield? No, I have. It. I've thumbed through it, but uh, most books it, I can kind of like, if I say I've read a book, it's like I can quote it. So yeah. <laughs> well, so, so Jack, you know, the first chapter in this book, and it, it's interesting that it, what you just said reminded me of that because he's, it's called it. The first chapter is take 100% responsibility for everything in your life. And he talks about all of the, the red flags, right? Mm -hmm. And, and like you, you knew he was cheating on you. You knew it way before he was cheating on you that he was going to cheat on you because there were red flags. You knew that she was doing this or that there were red flags, but, and so you're saying what you're saying, Sarah, is you're teaching people how to identify the red flags and not ignore them. I want to go back to Bill Cosby. Okay. So remember when... I remember someone telling me, hey, he's being accused of sexual molestation. Yeah. And my first thought in my head is, not Bill Cosby. I know him. Right? Yeah. I see the image he wanted to portray. I see how funny he was selling us pudding. Yeah. I know him. And so... It's a it's grace and truth. Yes, it's why did you ignore the red flags and what about us as humans? Because if we started the conversation with like, oh, this person ignores red flags and this person doesn't, I think that's a lie. I had a hard time accepting that Bill Cosby right 
did what he did because I thought I told myself I knew him. I, I saw the image he wanted me to see. And I told myself I was safe. Yeah. And that's happening in all of our lives all the time. And so that, yes, I, I want like, Hey, you shouldn't have married him. He had red flags. You ignored them. Sure. Yes. But once we put the conversation on them, instead of putting the responsibility on me and saying, Hey, toxic people are good at image management. And I have to be aware of that as I go through my own life. I'm very happily married. That does not mean I get to take the blinders off and sit back and say, Oh, whatever. I mean, that's just (laughs) unintelligent. There's one in 10 people who are diagnosed or should be, or could be diagnosed with a personality disorder, according to the experts I'm speaking to. That's one in 10. That is your kid's teacher. That is the ball coach. That is the pastor at church. That is the whatever it is in your own life. And once we, once we put the conversation on people in romantic relationships that should have seen it, right, we're really losing. That's true. And then the conversation already becomes, there's some people who shut down and say, good, I don't have to worry about it. And then other people who like take on that blame and shame rather than saying as humans, we all can step up. We can all start to recognize, you know, um, I think that's a better conversation. Wow. This is very deep. And I think that, that, you know, most people, I, I, I would, and I'm not, I hate to make generalized statements like this or blanket statements, but I think that most people have experienced it on, on some level and, and then they, they, you know, hopefully come out of it and, um, and then they just write it off as, eh, you know, that was just a bad, bad egg and then move on to the next relationship or friendship or whatever, only to find like in, in recovery, we, we say, you know, cause I, when I was a practicing alcoholic, I moved all over the country. Like I was always, you know, ah, this is a bad city that I'm in here. I need to go to Seattle where, you know, people are definitely better in Seattle and we can hug some trees together and, <laughs> no. but like, and then you get to Seattle and, oh no, they're bad here too. And, you, and, and so, you know, it's the, the saying is no matter where you go, there you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, and I'm not saying that it's my fault, but there is a certain element of responsibility that we have to take f- for getting into the wrong relationships. Right. Yes. And may I tell my uh, you Please. talked about boundaries earlier. Okay. So here's my, here's my thought on boundaries and like this conversation about self-responsibility. Cause I want, I am like, oh, I love self-responsibility and people who are responsible. And there's been about three things in my life recently that I have had to take responsibility for and just say, you know what? My husband, for example, I was like, you know what? I feel like I've had a lot of things going on recently and I've been taking up all the emotional oxygen in our relationship. And that's not fair. And you should get to be sad about something too. I mean, that's an example I you yeah, know, sure. of my own life. Um, but, but then I, when we think about blame, toxic people are amazing at shifting blame. So what I see is some people taking like all this responsibility, 
they're being self-responsible for things that the wrong things. Okay. So I want to talk to you about the story about the three little pigs. Okay. First little pig had stick boundaries or straw. Sorry. First little pig had straw boundaries and the big bad wolf came and blew him in. Yeah. His house down. Then he, the second little pig said, Oh, I need to up my boundaries game. I need better boundaries. And so then he created stick boundaries. Yeah. And the big bad wolf blew it down. Then the last little pig said, Oh, I'm going to work on my boundaries. I'm going to build a brick house. And we herald, we kind of shame the first two pigs a bit. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have better boundaries. Of course we do. But better boundaries don't make better wolves. Mm, wow. And not one of those pigs changed the big bad wolf. What so an I, amazing metaphor. Thank you. Did you come up with that? <laughs> I came up with that, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did, but, but I want to change the conversation because it is about self-responsibility. But what people are doing is I need a, I need better bricks. I need, you know, harsher boundaries. And it's like, no, you need to stay away from wolves and find other pigs. <laughs> it's that simple. It's, it's, it is that simple. And the conversations become more and more complicated. And when it becomes more and more complicated, there's more room for toxic people to get their way. Cause you know, the toxic person will sweep in. Oh, I'm only that mean to you. Cause I have abandonment issues. You just need to love me through it. Or, well, you know, whatever it is. Oh, don't you know what bad things happen to me? And then we get into our hurt people, hurt people. And we start to make excuses and we lower our boundaries and love on the wolf and they bite us in the neck and we're like, oh, need better boundaries. And so we're taking self-responsibility for the wrong things. Oh, my God. That is such uh, that that <laughs> you're so animated, too. But like, <laughs> yeah. the, the, you have I, to, it's this balance, right? Because I talk about these terribly deep things. And so then it's like has to be like the song and dance. No, it's just really, this is really who I am. But that's <laughs> such a great metaphor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. There's, there, there's, there's my buddy, Doug. Um, he, he's, oh, I, I love that dude. Yeah. He's, he's, he, <laughs> he has a tendency of picking wolves for, so, um, how do okay so how do you break that pattern how do you how do you it, of of picking wolves god i love that metaphor holy moly is that in the book it is in the book yeah, oh, yeah. chapter on okay that. so that metaphor will live forever like i i love that um so how do you in 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 Doug's Doug's example? I love Doug. He's one of my best friends in the world. Um, you know, women have a tendency. He they come to him because he's loaded. He's he's loaded, and he, he so he's like he's like you know I I gotta quit picking women that just want me for money and 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 et cetera et cetera. But how how do you break that pattern? Mm -hmm. How does one stop it? My blood pressure just went up. There was a um, a woman I met this week out with some friends and she was talking about how she manipulates men for money. And I about uh, like it was horrible, you know, and I said, <laughs> anyway, that's a separate topic. But uh, it's like, yeah, well, 
make your own money, ladies. Don't manipulate me. I mean, you know, that's a whole separate that's topic. That's the oldest profession known to man, by the way. And she actually, like, was, in, yeah, she was actually really facilitating the oldest thing that just kind of ran it with some friends. She's talking getting men to pay her for things. I was like, oh my. <laughs> um, you know, my little feminist heart was <laughs> terrified and everything. Like, that makes you a hooker. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's kind of actually that's actually what was happening. So, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, they got to lose your wolves. Uh, but but here's the way to do it: you shut the door. Like, okay, when think about stray cats that come along. Okay, and some people get very mad when I use the cat analogy, so I'm not insulting cats <laughs> anyway. I grew up with cats, um, but you know, we there was that joke like, "Hey, we need a don't don't set out the milk for the stray cats, or you'll have all the stray cats." Right. And sometimes, again, the conversation becomes too complicated because it sounds harsh. Remember earlier when I said, "Hey, when someone shows me who they are through a pattern of actions, I decide whether or not I'm going to open the door to let them have more access to me." or shut the door. Now, here's what I do not do anymore. Well, I'm a bad person if I shut the door. Well, they had a hard childhood, so I need to shut the door. Well, like that game in our head of like, should I shut the door? Is it okay whether or not to shut the door? Dear Sarah, I give you permission, permission to shut the dang door. Boom, whoa, the toxic people are gone. <laughs> And the earlier you can do it, the better. And I don't mean to make light of people shutting out their mothers or their sisters. I understand that it's more complicated emotionally than that. It is hardly ever that, you know, if you have to get a divorce or something, I understand all the complexities of that. But, but that's, that is the answer. We just don't like the answer. Oh, here's, the, here's where I'm responsible for we take self-responsibility for, well, I have abandonment issues, so I need to give them another chance. Well, I need to work on me. Well, I need to work on my own communication. Here's what you need to become more responsible for, recognizing wolves and shutting them out. That is the answer. It is that simple. We make it way more complicated, and the healing community makes it way more complicated they're making money off your abandonment issues. They're making money off insecure attachment. I'm, again, I'm not saying those things aren't real. Okay, I'm not insulting anyone who does that work. But you see where it's like, well, should I shut the door? Let me spend three years in therapy figuring out if I should shut the door rather than taking the responsibility to recognize wolves. I think I think what happens. And I'm reflecting on my own own um, choices. Mm -hmm. Um. And, and, you know, look, there was a time when I was in active alcoholism, I, I was, I was also the wolf at time. I mean, there, there was, and I'm not, I'm not proud of it, but I, I was a sick maniac. Um, but I think that, you know, there are, there are, there are times where, where people don't know how to shut that door they just don't and i've been there where it's like I, but you know she provides everything that i would ever dream of in a woman or or you know whatever the situation is 
Um, and, and then we start going the, you lower the bar. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I know you got drunk that one time and you were dancing on pool tables and, and all that. And, and, you know, you know what I mean? Like, but, but you came back to me uh-huh. and thank God you're here and you're safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, so here's the biggest thing in my coaching clients. If anyone gets on a like call with me, the very first, one of the very first things I'm going to ask is what problem are you trying to solve? Okay. Cause what happens is you get in that situation you don't want it to be a wolf. Okay. So how can I, how can my brain trick me into thinking I don't want that person to be a wolf. So what can I work on, on myself, which is self-responsibility, Ken, that's where the conversation gets yeah. confusing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, let me work on my insecure attachment but then I'm buying time to continue to put up with bad behavior. Yeah. And you were just buying time to continue to put up with bad behavior. Yeah. And yes. And Olga said they, they project on you and call you topic. They're experts at the flip. Oh God. And then it's like these very self-responsible people. That's what's so sad to me. It's typically the people who are very self-responsible, conscientious, growth-oriented, and kind who are putting up with the worst behavior. Yeah. In the name of like the good of humanity. And I I had to realize that instead of working on my self-esteem, I needed to work on my self-integrity. And within my self-integrity, I don't, I'm not here on this earth to help other people become more selfish. Wow. I I could literally sit here for the rest of the day and talk to you. And I know we don't have that kind of time, but I think you are freaking amazing. And your, your insights and your wisdom are, you know, in, in my first book, you need to call me. I'll find you a good woman. I've got him. Everywhere from London to LA. It's fine. Doug's the man. His his father founded the little giant ladder company. Oh and, yeah. And Doug is Doug Doug just sold his his he sold the company. So um he he's in in Arizona now. But so um I think you know this is this is legit. This is a real problem that 99% of the earth goes through this stuff. And the fact that you're out here on the front line, just saying no mas, <laughs> this, this ain't happening like this. I'm going to, I'm going to make a dent in this universe. Um, and it sounds like you've also gotten, you, you've gone through, you know, some of the, the religious trainings and, and, and you've said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, reframe this a little Expand. bit too. I'm expanding, expanding. I love that. Love that. We'll say it that way. With, yeah. with, and it's, not with like little Dave Debbies or ho hos either. You're you're expanding spiritually. I mean I have been eating good recently. So it was my birthday weekend this past weekend. So I've had cake and everything else. There's um, my there's my wife on here. She's watching. Doug is a great guy. Yes. 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 So female wolves are tend to be very dick to me and like save me. Um, And then sometimes that shows up with guys, but usually with females, that's really what to watch out for is someone who um, has their identity and victimhood. And then 
plays up to your white knight yeah. save me type yeah. situation. That's yeah. in a very quick nutshell. That's what I would watch out for with for women. Yeah. Wow. Let's talk about the book real quick. Yeah. It's Here it is. Coming toxic person proof. Yeah. Released Valentine's weekend. Um, and was the number one new release and wow. uh, hit the number two bestseller. Uh, so yeah, it is, I've been really blessed. I hate to use that word. That's like from my old past word, but, but really when people say I bought seven copies because I want to give it away to the people I love and care about. Wow. I want to give it to my daughter. I want to give it to my mother. It has been so what an experience, right? I'm just like, oh my gosh, is this really me? Is this really my life? Uh, and so it's been really amazing. Do you have a copy of it right there with you? You can hold no, I don't. I don't. Oh, you actually, don't? No, but it, it's really good. It's got this really big red flag on it. I need to. I'm actually working for my parents' house today. Oh, are you? I have a podcast room at my house with the perfect lighting and background, but um, here I am today. So Now, are you still in the Knoxville area? I am. I am still in Knoxville. Yep. Oh, awesome. With some good things and some bad things. I have, uh, I, I would have liked to run away from my own life several times. <laughs> um, yeah. Haven't yeah. we all? Like I said, feel like she's in a constant fight with these people and not letting them manipulate you and control you. And it is exhausting. I mean, it is, you know, and in my own life, there's some toxic people who still poke their head in a long time. And, you know, today I use the analogy. Sometimes I feel like not to be disrespectful to any, I'm very happy and healthy in being able to use my legs, but it almost feels like wheelchair Olympics, you know, to be an expert in the subject meant like you were so mortally wounded, you yeah. know, I've been so many. And so um, kind of sometimes everybody in my life, they see like the, best-selling book and they see all this stuff. It's like, Whoa, yay. It's like, you know, she won the Olympics and it's like, but I'm still in the wheelchair sometimes. You right. know, it is that exhausting, uh, that exhausting life to some extent of yeah. dealing with the most difficult problems in the world, you know? Um, so it is exhausting. And I, my, my complete empathy, you know, do when you, you're, do, you, you're do you think that there are people who are, are, stuck in well I, this is a kind of a rhetorical question they're stuck in in the pattern of being the victim to wolves yes. and 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 they just keep changing wolves <laughs> right mm -hmm. and 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 then they get victimized they get bit in the neck again yeah. like you said and and how, how does somebody who has established cuz i think that they know I mean, deep down in, I think we know that like, okay, something's Houston. We have a problem. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. and, and that, that personal responsibility of stop picking the dang wolves. Mm -hmm. Like is, does your book walk somebody like that through, um, you know, here's how you change that pattern. Yeah. And the biggest thing my book walks people through is the lies we tell ourselves to put up with the wolves longer. Mm. You know, like I talked about, like even using healing strategies, like, well, you know, I need to work on me first. Right. Yeah. And sometimes the work you need to do on yourself is to learn to walk away from wolves or wolves to not feel normal or wolves not to feel exciting. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 
Doug, I'm here to pick on Doug a little bit, but a wolf walks in with a low cut top and a short skirt and she got her, you know, a whole lot of shaking going on, you know, and then it's like, Ooh, that wolf looks shiny. <laughs> <laughs> you may have just nailed Doug. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. 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 I had a, a great I, I, guy. I great, great guy. Well, yeah, I had a, a nice guy who did well professionally. And, you know, I said, what do you like about your girlfriend? And he said, the way she looks beside me. And I was like, and then you're complaining about her integrity. Come on, like, <laughs> come on, you know, uh, and, you know, I, you know, I, I he, said, he, said, he said, you know, I mean, he likes beautiful women and, you know, he wants the right smart, intelligent, beautiful woman. And, and I, I said, there's nothing wrong with that, dude. Nothing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. he's a client of mine too. He's a coaching client and, uh, and we've done his website work. So, but Doug's a great guy. He would do well probably to read your book. I he think. should read my book. Yeah. No, I'll yeah. just it up with somebody. And I mean, I, if Mrs. Tennessee had won Mrs. America. She was second runner up. I would have been Mrs. Tennessee. Um, you know, like, I think I told you about that kid. I oh, thought, that's you know, right. Yeah. And yeah, there are, not to toot my own horn, but there are pretty women out there who uh, are also driven and interesting conversations and thinkers. And they really are out there. Um they're probably not posting pictures of their cleavage online. <laughs> but it doesn't mean they don't have it like underneath the shirt. It doesn't mean it's not there. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then that self-integrity piece. I'm like, my self-integrity piece is, you know, a lady first, a lady first. I love that. That's amazing. You did, you competed in the, in, you were in, you were I was in the Mrs. I was a finalist in the Mrs. Tennessee pageant. That's right. And so Mrs. Tennessee won second runner up in Mrs. America. So she was so close. And then I would have been Mrs. Tennessee, but uh, I mm. did it with my coaching clients. I had never done a pageant before. Never. Um, which kind of is funny with the piano background and all that kind of stuff. But I was always, my cousin was very beautiful. And so I was always like, the personality one. So I always tried to lead with personality and um, I'm grateful for that now, that all that training in my life of being personable and likable has helped me do things like this. But so I did my first pageant after two babies and I was competing against 23 year olds who'd been married for six weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> literally. literally. And I was like, okay, what do I have to bring to the table? And yeah, hey, Joe. Yeah, we're party oh. people. Um, but what do I have to bring to the table? And kind of leading by example for my clients, because nothing strikes terror in a woman's heart like a swim, her first swimsuit competition at the end of COVID, right? It was like three or four months into COVID. And what do people do during COVID? Nothing healthy, right? Like eat in our house or Netflix binge or whatever else. Yeah. I don't have as many scary things in my life now. All the stuff I do just like you can on a normal basis is the stuff that strikes terror in the hearts of others. Yeah. So I was like, what does it feel like to be scary and to, to be scared, not scary. And so I did that to kind of lead by example and walk people through my experience. Good so. for you. That's amazing. 
That's it amazing. didn't feel amazing that weekend. It felt terrifying because the heels, the high heels I had to wear were like this tall, like literally. Wow. I'm, I'm going to break my ankle. Um, my husband called. He said, are you having fun? I was like, no, I'm actually not. <laughs> but that was kind of the point, right? <laughs> wow. So let, let me ask you this because we, we're over time and that's fine. I don't care. I, <clears throat> I want to I, I ask you this one question I ask everybody that's on the show. Um, and then we, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you, uh, get back to your life. But so, so I'm always curious to hear now the number one answer to this, by the way, is, is fear. Mm -hmm. So you have to do better than that. Um, so, so what do you think in your opinion holds most people back in life from financial success and, true, real happiness and freedom? I'm going to go with overthinking. Uh, in the book, um, Atomic Habits, which is a fabulous book, he talks about, I think he calls it motion versus maybe momentum. And it is attached to fear. It's for sure attached to fear. But it's like, well, let me, again, we'll go back to the wolf analogy. Oh, I'm not going to get away from the wolf. <laughs> Joe said his high heels hurt him too. Uh, you can borrow my Joe. They're great. I Damn, glue in them, glue my feet in them. Um, but within, you know, within that, okay, I don't want to get away from the wolf. So I'm going to overthink and overanalyze and figure out every way in the world to work on wolves not bothering me, work on healing wolf bites faster, work on, um, turning myself into a wolf so that we can go head to head and both be wolves, whatever it is. And people just solve the wrong dang problems. They solve the wrong problems. Wow. And there's a whole chapter in my book on that. And my next ferocious effort is, you know, after I like win the Nobel peace prize for helping people with healthy relationships, we're going to go with, you know, changing the whole healing strategy um, and really figuring out what problem are you trying to solve? Because I see people, you know, have horrible relationships and they say, well, I'm going to, I need to get back to me. I'm going to hike. There's nothing wrong with hiking. I live very close to this huge national park. Yeah. Um, but it's like, well, you told me you were trying to reestablish your relationship pattern with your children and not end up in another toxic relationship. Is there a study I've missed that says hikers are less likely to end up in toxic relationships or did I miss that somewhere. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, you're right. And they get into overthinking and they don't solve the problems that are getting them where they want to go. And that includes financially. They call me the success fairy because everybody makes more money after working with me, you know, because it's That's like, awesome. it's not that hard. You're miserable trying to solve the wrong problems. Then you're happy solving the right problems. No wonder you got a bonus, right? Wow. No wonder you got a bonus. That's amazing. You're right. What, but okay. So if, 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 let's say that you are successful in curing the world and everybody is in a healthy relationship, where are all the wolves? Well, that's statistically impossible because uh, <laughs> that's pretty statistically impossible. Um, I, the problem is, and this is very serious that they are talking about wolves being on the rise. Okay. You and I can, when we were younger, we had to share the TV with our parents. We did not have a phone to entertain us. We did not have online bullying. We did, we had, there were social skills that we had to practice that this generation, even before COVID was not practicing. 
Yeah. They were social. They are literally missing hours of social interaction that create empathy. They are, I mean, think about like uh, somebody pointed out at my family Thanksgiving that the used to the oldest generation went first and now the kids go first. Wow. So what's going to happen with this whole group of people? So this is, there's the, the, there's the one in 10 who have like nature versus nurture, like that nature selfishness thing. But then as a culture, we are heralding mothers and fathers who have no life outside of their children and clapping for them. Yeah. We were making their children the center of the world. And then we're shocked when these babies who've been the center of the world are getting married. Yeah. It's on the rise. And because nature is creating more, it's perpetuating selfishness. Even in, if I want my phone, I have like a little passy. I can just like, you know, pull out my passy if I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You and I, when we were younger, we had to figure out something else. Figure out a way to push through the conversation or get, you know, deal with listening to the music we didn't like on the station. These children never have to listen to music they don't like. Can you believe that? Like, I know. I, I, it just, it's, it's, it, I know. Like the Casey Kasem's America's Top 40 you know, I, which I'm friends with his daughter, actually. But I, I think that that you're a thousand percent right. You're like you had to listen and you had to listen to the whole song and the commercials. Uh -huh, uh -huh. There was no option to buy something extra to fast forward through commercials. Uh, you're right. Wow. So much insight. You are you are absolutely an amazing woman. I want to thank you for coming on and sharing so much wisdom. Doug, I, Doug, it sounds like Doug needs to go to SarahKRamsey.com yeah. and reach out to you. And um, I think you could you could certainly um, help Doug. And you might be able to help him find the love of his life. Really, I'll answer his question very quickly. People are not applying the same skills that got them success in business to relationships. They're Amen. Weird category that's confusing and... Um, I was already enga engaged or married and I went to the National Success Summit. I could have walked away with a husband if I'd wanted. They were all checking out my hand and everything else because I was networking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm a good networker. If I want to network for a husband or network for a new client, I'm good at both. But we yeah. put it in this crazy odd category that, again, overcomplicates, overthinks, overcom. You know, I can't shut the door. I have to shut the door. And it just creates for a lot of pain, a whole lot of pain. And I know I, I appear silly and all this kind of stuff as I talk about the deep things, but I'm quite connected to the, the heartbreak of it all. Yeah, you are. Mm -hmm. Olga's going to make her kids listen to music they don't like today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I recommend Gregorian chant on the way to school. <laughs> and you, know, you pull in, it's like this like Mozart. And it's like, who's got that mama? Well, that's this mama. It's good for their brains. Oh, that is so funny. Oh, my gosh. Sarah, you, you're you amazing. Know, you know, don't make my kids listen to Gregorian channel the way to school, but I really do. <laughs> that is so funny. All right, everybody, listen. Go over to SarahKRamsey.com. Sign up for everything she has. Follow her. Where All your social media is on there, I'm assuming. 
So yeah. follow her on, on, on all of her social media. Go grab a copy of Toxic Person Proof right now. It's only $14.99. You spent more than that at Starbucks in the past two weeks, probably. So go get sign, go get a copy. And Sarah, thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you, Ken. Thank you so much. It was so fun. Everybody loved this interview. Look at all these amazing comments. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, um, yes, I, yes. I just, uh, it is it is a hard topic and it's something I really try to bring the depth and the light into. And that, it, my book is funny, um, which is kind of, it's like if yeah. I said if the uh, Tina Fey's bossy pants met the sociopath next door and they had a baby, <laughs> that would be becoming toxic person proof. Oh my God. That is so funny. All right, everybody get a copy of this book. I can't wait to read it. Sarah, thank you so much. Don't hang up on me. I'm going to end the live stream, though. Stay with me. I like to chat real quick. Bye, guys. See you guys later. Thank you so much. And thank you if you shared this out, especially because that gets it to more viewers. So thanks so much. Talk to you later. Thanks, Sarah.